Hey all you riding adventurers, my name's James and welcome back to another episode of the 95 ADV podcast where we talk affordable and accessible adventure bike riding. With me, as always, is my co-host Ross. Hey James, how are you doing mate? You recovered from the weekend? Uh, mostly, I'm still pretty tired, pretty How's sore. The, is the bike recovered? The bike went in the garage and I haven't seen it since. I was <laughs> locked it away and didn't want to look at it again. Exactly. Fair enough. After our dirty weekend away. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Those of you that didn't listen last week, James has just been uh, been up in Wales, riding some of the Tet and doing a uh, road book rally event, which we'll uh, we'll come to in a minute. Yeah, yeah, by um, Rally Motor, who are, are the sort of leaders of road book navigation events in the UK for big adventure bikes mainly. So yeah, and it's something that was completely new to you, right? Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. So, but like you said, we'll get into it in a second. Um, just uh, a few bits of news before we kick off. We both watched uh, a few episodes ago. We we talked about Fortnite, a YouTuber who reviewed the T7. Uh, he's done another review on the KTM 390, which we both thought was highly entertaining. Yeah, it was a bike as well that I think a few episodes ago I mentioned uh, I was really excited for because I thought that it was going to be like the perfect stepping stone between something like a CRF 250 and maybe a T7 or a 790. Price-wise, I think it was going to be sort of five, six thousand pounds. I think it came in at like six and a half thousand dollars in the states, so really, really affordable. Um, about fifty horsepower, so p- realistically, plenty for the road and off-road. Mega lightweight, loads of tech. It looked like a like it had potential to be a really, really cool adventure bike. And then Fortnite came along, and it's, it's so funny. He wasn't so kind. We, you watch the video, and he and he does. It's, it's so funny the way he does these videos because the whole bulk of the video is him basically bigging up different features of the bike you know this it does this and it does that and it does this really well and then right at the end of the video spoiler alert he just says this isn't a good bike yeah but and all of it came down to ergonomics though right because he said if you took it was a good example of like worse than the sum of its parts yeah as opposed to you know normally greater um in that like yeah really good fully adjustable wp suspension good high-tech electronics traction control abs systems all customized for off-road riding uh, decent tires all of this stuff and he said actually though the when you tried to stand up on the bike the pegs pushed you forward there was nothing to grip onto the handlebars were too low um, and for basically any rider over about five and a half foot it was next to useless which is a real shame when you know you've come so close to nailing a concept and then at the last minute, mm, especially from KTM as well of all yeah, of all exactly. brands. Exactly. Um, he said, I think he summed it up by saying you're better off saving yourself a thousand pounds and just buying a Duke 390. Yeah. Because ultimately, this is a street bike with some plastic on it. Yeah. Bit of a shame, but hey ho, maybe they'll bring out an R version. Yeah, maybe. Fingers but crossed. Go, go and watch it if you if you're into that. But uh, just before you set off to Wales, though, you brought your bike into Bridge Motorcycles and Exeter for its first annual service, correct? Yep. Yeah. So you guys lent me the Tracer 700, which was which is pretty good. I didn't spend a lot of time with it. So um, very quick mini review comparison, really, of the two bikes for anyone thinking whether whether they want an adventure bike, but not sure whether maybe to go road focus with the Tracer mm. or whether they want to go more off-road focus with the Tenere. And um, so I'm 6'3", and the Tenere is a very comfortable bike for me. The Tracer felt like, I didn't feel like a 125, but it felt really small. Yeah, I've, I've often found that with those. They do. They, I think they're, mm. they're made with smaller riders in mind. Yeah, it's, it's small. The engine is, for the style of bike, and the, it's, the engine was dull. 
That's interesting, isn't it? Because normally we say this with the CP2 motor, you talk about it having bags of character, torque, being a really fun engine. It's strange. In the MG07, or the XSR700, and again in the the T7, it's a really fun engine. But I don't know why. The Tracer just felt... A bit flat. Very dull and boring. And I think if it was me and I was recommending an adventure bike that for the road over the t7 i would always recommend if you're going to be going for yamaha would be the 900 yeah I'm with you i think as well. the triple is um i think triple engines in general are amazing on the road yeah especially if you're touring and you're going through different levels of speed it's such a great type of engine to have the tenere 900 again is taller it's got bigger geometry like the tenere so yeah. I think, hands down, if you're going to go with a road-focused adventure bike and you want to go with Yamaha, I think I would always recommend the, the Tracer 900. Unless you're a, a smaller rider. Yeah, the T7, maybe, there's nothing... Maybe less experienced or less confident or... I was about to say, yeah, for a first bike, you know, if you want to, if that's this kind of riding you want to get into and, and that's your first bike, the Tracer's... You won't be disappointed with it, will you? No, not at all. And the CP2 engine, as we keep saying, is arguably the most reliable engine in the mm. world. I just think if I was, if someone wanted a tracer, I would. You try and find an extra couple of grand and and get a nine hundred or, or maybe a year or so old one. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the um, of course they have incremental improvements, but I think I'd rather have a couple of year old nine hundred than a brand new seven. Than a brand new seven. There we but, go. But there you go. So um, let's jump straight into. Yeah, Wales, your experience then. of the Welsh Tet. So you were going on a hundreds of miles all off-road from South Wales to North Wales. How was that? Uh, interesting. Um, annoyingly, I'm going to have to go back and ride a lot of it. As you may know, I'm doing a, a sort of a write-up, almost like a Lonely Planet guide for as much of the Tet as I can do. Yeah. There's a lot of bulk sections that we did get done, but there were also a lot of sections that we didn't get done. So um we'd booked accommodation we decided not to camp because of the time of year the unpredictability of the the welsh weather and also uh because we wanted this to be a sort of tet light trip as it were the last tet trip up to the yamaha emek experience was a a learning curve because it meant that we we didn't get to enjoy the emek experience because we were so tired from riding the tet so we thought the focus here is going to be the end of the trip to fully enjoy it Sorry, didn't get to fully enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so we didn't want to repeat that. So the yeah. the main focus of this 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 sort of almost week away was the Rally Moto event, mm. which was on the Sunday. So we thought, okay, well, we'll we'll ride the tap, we'll enjoy the tap, but at the end of every day, when we get to a point where we don't want to ride anymore, we will just we will just beeline to the hotels. Yeah, the no, BMW. No, it so. makes sense, and it sounds like your first day on it was fairly eventful. First day was fine. The only big problem was the weather that put us oh, off. Okay. Really. Yeah, so we we met in the afternoon. Tom had to run an exam, so he couldn't get out early. So I uh, met him just after lunch, just over the bridge in South Wales. And then we set off. Trails were fine, um, what you'd expect. I think we got to the point where you do a loop around Rhonda, because Rhonda's in a valley. The town is in a valley, the Rhonda Valley, funnily enough. And then you go up and you do a loop around the top of the the hills there and it was getting dark and it started to rain and you go through some woods and some really stony rutty bits uh which is quite quite testing and then it just bucketed down with rain and this was the problem every day at the end of every day it just bucketed down with rain so we beelined off 
to the hotel, which was a place that we were staying right next to where we did the Taffy Dakar last year, uh, and then stayed the night there, and then jumped into day two. So it was going to be our, what was going to be our first full day on the Tet. And a word of warning for anyone on any kind of large motorcycle heading on to the Welsh Tet. The first trail we did at the bottom of the Brecon Beacons was a nightmare and we were stuck on it for three hours. This is on day two now? This is day two. So the beginning of eight, beginning of day two. So we, we got ready, had breakfast, set off, ready to start the day. Started this trail, nice, long, easy stuff, through some woods, into some forests. And then the Tet takes you off onto the right. And, you, and then we thought, well, where is this going? And I can't see anything on the OS map. You know, what? what's the what's the plan here because you're on you know fire trails through the woods mm. and then it turns out it was this boggy rutty marshy kind of Meh. yeah trail that goes that cuts through all the the fire trails so if you're doing this section especially this time of year do not ride it just ride the fire trails and meet up with it later because we were stuck in bogs we were stuck in puddles we were stuck in ruts it took us three hours to, to get through this so how much distance are we talking about covering there roughly it was this is the problem it was long I oh, mean, okay. the first bit that was on my instagram where the bike was mm. literally it stuck in that puddle we thought should we turn around yeah and we walked up and it and it, it went around a corner went around another corner and then flattened out and we thought okay well we'll just carry on because it can't be that much longer this was probably maybe a kilometer this trail was quite long yeah but then three hours to travel a kilometer is Mm-hmm. not acceptable it was <laughs> 300 oh, and meters it, an and hour it, and then it started chucking it down with rain but we were both so hot it didn't matter and i yeah. had uh, you know our helmets were off to the side somewhere and our gloves and just getting soaking wet and you know the bikes were, the belly pans were getting beached on ruts and <laughs> oh man it was just the worst so we got out we finally got out of that it was about midday and we drove to the nearest petrol station we could find to get a jet wash we found one with a jet wash we did a hot hot jet wash we jet washed ourselves <laughs> and the bikes they were oh man they were there was i've never seen so much mud clogged in in my bike and then thought we had some lunch then at that petrol station and thought shall we carry on and then a, a huge rain cloud appeared and we thought no nah. nah. bailing <laughs> bailing let's get to the hotel so we got to the hotel basically spent the evening drying our stuff off and then day three so now we're up near it's like Aberystwyth no, way, Aberystwyth way so yeah. if you look on the map of the Tet there is a a whole bunch of loops it all yeah. double backs and loops round and, and everything and you think oh that you know that that is most of my day stuck in basically one space you're not making any progress as it were yeah but is it good it is, it is fantastic so it, it helped that the the day was sunny yeah, I'm sure. But even the roads that you were riding on, the views were just so those those trails stunning. around Aberystwyth are worth doing, setting some side time aside to do the lot. Hundred percent. There's some tricky stuff, but nothing. I wouldn't say advanced. I'd say intermediate. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, then also there's some really easy stuff. And you did the famous Barmouth Bridge that day as well. Yeah, so that's when we ended the day on. We we eventually got up to to Barmouth Bridge, crossed that. Before we got to that though. I need to put this on Instagram. We we did a trail, which we found was quite difficult. It was long again. It starts with a, really, a stony hill climb and there's 
there's stone steps that you have to get up over and pretty tricky pretty technical stuff on Mm. the bikes and about a third of the way along this trail that's on the basically a ridge on the side of a mountain we found a range rover oh yeah with a with a, a young couple inside about our age i mean she looked miserable as anything but he was pretty jolly couple of locals you know hardened green laners were they no very much (laughs) very much city folk Um, (laughs) and what were they in a range rover in a range rover and he was so he was so jolly he was just like oh i've just i think i've been a bit too adventurous and (laughs) and um we're not going to go ahead any further because there's some big mud up ahead uh i think we're just going to have to try and reverse it back down (laughs) nice Honestly, I I think that thing is still there. It, I I do not a I don't understand how it got there. B I don't understand how we could ever get that back. But there you go. No, I've seen your bike in some places and thought that that's never coming back from there. <laughs> there is in your garage, so who knows? Maybe you got it back. Um, but yeah, and then we finished the day on Barmouth Bridge, going across the Barmouth Bridge, which lots of people have seen on on the Tet Facebook page and everyone posts because the locals get stroppy because why are motorcycles going across it, even though apparently they're allowed. Is it worth the hype? Probably not really. It's a bit, it's fine. It's just a little wooden bridge. This is a wooden bridge. It's quite a long wooden bridge. It's about, it's about a kilometre long. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, wow. But, um, That's quite cool. Yeah, it's fine. You just get funny looks from people. Yeah. So, and then rode up to Snowdonia and then that's where we met James, James Archibald. From LexTech. From LexTech. Yeah. Yeah. Stayed there and then set off. Oh my goodness, the next morning it was ram. So we stayed at a hostel, the base of Snowden. Where did you say? Clamberis or something? Or? Um, no, the Pen, Penny Pass. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the YHA hostel there. Right. And when we got up to set off, it was just rammed. That's mad, with, isn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then set off for the day. Did some trails, loads of fun. First trail we did, James dropped his bike and cracked Obviously. his fairing. <laughs> He's good at that. He's actually better than you are. It was so funny. At first, first trail. But we got we got to the first trail and, it, and you have, there were so many gates. That's the other thing. Oh, no. Gates everywhere in Wales. Constant gates. So we got to the first trail, opened the gate, and then some boys, it was a hill climb, and then some boys were coming down on enduro bikes. Mm. And then they, they, they give the usual spiel. Oh, you're going up there on those bikes. Good luck, boys. You yeah, know, blah blah blah, whatever. Anyway, whatever. And we were just like, ah, <laughs> oh, it's fine. We'll we'll tear it off up. So we shoot, we shoot up. Uh, James is in front. He gets about halfway up, and it's problem is it's a mix of loose stone and then solid like mm. granite. So he got onto the first bit of granite. It's a bit of a step up, and he lost the back wheel, and the bike went down on the fairing and on the horn. <laughs> <laughs> so this horn is just, just <laughs> ringing off in the middle of the Welsh countryside. Those boys in the Enduros must have been like, what a I told you. <laughs> like, James, you're letting us all down. Oh, it's so funny. So funny. And then um, we didn't, we only did about half a day then as well, which I'm really annoyed about. Well, we were all really annoyed about because it, it was James's only day on the Tet. Yeah. And it was a pretty easy day. I'd set it up so that our last day was, was not a long day. Mm. But um, I got we got to a trail and it was like a muddy, rutty trail. And there were a bunch of land, bunch of four by fours all lined up. So we got off the bikes, walked up and um, the steering column on, on the one in the front had gone and they were trying to repair it. So we had to turn around. Oh, you just and physically couldn't get past them. No, it was just it was just narrow 
Oh, how nice. Which is fine. It wasn't a super long trail. So yeah, we turned yeah. around and we found a detour on the road. Went through about six gates. Honestly, the amount of gates, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then rode along a bit and then my tyre was flat. So this diversion along the road, I got a blimmin' nail in the tyre. Oh, was it nail, was it? It was a nail, yeah. Oh. So we... Um, it's all the Land Rover's fault. Yeah, so Tom put this foamy gunk stuff in that we that we put in his on the last trip, mm. which worked and for about five minutes, but it didn't plug the hole. So we we um, we pulled off and changed the changed the tube. This is your front tire this time or back? This is back, right? Yeah. So basically, what you can do is if you haven't got the space to carry both spare tubes, you can carry a front, yeah, and in a pinch you can put your front in the rear, yeah. So that's what we did. So we got the got the wheel off, got the tire changed. It's pretty straightforward, actually. I mean, it's probably about forty minutes, all in all. Got everything back on. We let, the bike had been lent down on the bank. Yeah. Well, we did it. Got everything back up. Bike all back in one piece. Put the key in. Turn the ignition, and it wouldn't start. It would it would turn over, but it wouldn't. You know, wouldn't fire. Wouldn't fire. And we thought, oh no, what what's gone wrong here? We couldn't. We were struggling to figure out, you know, troubleshooting. Okay, well, what's gone wrong is, is there not enough? As the, you know, is there no fuel in the, in the injector? Do we need to just prime it a few more times, um, by you know turning it on off and on again? Are the spark plugs wet? You know, from the fuel, what's you know what's happened? We tried bumping it. We were there for about an hour trying to start this T seven. What it turns out was the engine had flooded with mm. fuel while it had been on its side, which was a rookie mistake. Surprising that, James. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what we did was we we pulled, this was for some from some creative Googling, actually, pulled the, the fuel fuse. For the, for the fuel pump. For the fuel pump. Right, yeah. And then just basically held the ignition for it to burn out. Yeah, so any, it wasn't pumping any fresh fuel in. Yeah. Was, yeah, okay. Um, held the ignition for it to burn all that out, put the fuse back in, and she started. Beautiful. Ran like a dream afterwards. Not not quite, but um, <laughs> there was a bit of slow grumbling along the road with it backfiring a bit until it cleaned everything out and then it flew off again. That's but fine. Working like a dream yeah. since. So well, thank, basically, thank goodness for Google and the collective wisdom of the internet. So long story short, something something went wrong every day, basically. Well, that's part of the adventure though, right? It is. And there's the thing, I'll come back and I've got loads of stories and I'm I'm trying to condense and everything. And you're a bit down. wiser for it as well. You've you've learnt from things, you've learned you know, you've you've changed tires, you've well, exactly. learned not to leave your bike lying on its side for an hour. <laughs> well, I know who'd have thought who'd have thought I, that was a bad idea. I know what to do when you leave your bike <laughs> on the side for an hour. But even things like just taking the I am surprised at how easy it is to get that back wheel on yeah. and off now. And and you know everything becomes less intimidating, doesn't yeah. it, once you've done it. Especially at the side of a trail and then you think, well, yeah, it's so difficult to get in to clean those spokes, but I'm just going to take, I'm literally just going to take, take the, wheel the wheel off, clean it all ACF in the back of the, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to do that in the garage because it's fine now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. So, but there you go. So, on to the Sunday, which was the actual, the Rally Moto event, and you guys had a bit of, not financial support or anything, but a bit of kit support from a couple of companies, right? Yeah, so, uh, as you probably know, uh, myself and Ross actually were, both ambassadors for uh, Ultimate Add-ons and Dango Design, which um, are phone holders and GoPro holders. Basically, we you know we swear by the products; they're, they're adventure-proof. They they do the job. And the funny thing is, was I had 
obviously the ultimate add-on setup my brother's got an ultimate add-on setup uh but james doesn't so uh and on the other side of it as you probably know i had the LexTech, the exhaust company used my bike as their development bike for their exhaust system yeah they did the same with my crf last year when i had that yeah and james works james works for works them, yeah. for lex tech for marketing so we had me and my brother with the ultimate add-ons me and james with the lex tech so we thought okay well let's see if we can get all three of us with with both brands so james got some of my add-on stuff oh great and then my brother got a LexTech exhaust for his africa twin so that we could then have them running on the bike now this sounds incredibly generous um and it, and it is but i think the point it, with with all of this stuff is though is it's not the most expensive kit in the world is it for for what it is no and there's a thing i'd you I mean, know i'd like to say that we we pick and choose the best brands to to, to rep um and we do I, you know at the end of the day if someone turned up and said, do you want to rep your hike camping equipment? I'd probably say... Pass. Thank, <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Thank you, but no I thanks. I might not even say thank you. Um, but at the end of the day, you guys listen to us. I like to think that you guys actually kind of trust our opinion to an extent. And that is what we're all about. It'd be silly for us to sort of sell out. Yeah. Um, we'll get to selling out later on in the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Some funny information. But no, but I mean, uh, what's a, a LexTech slip-on for most bikes is probably around about 150 pounds. This is the thing. As so, for for a performance adventure bike exhaust, I cannot think of a better option. Yeah. Than going with LexTech. They're the only brand I believe of, of the sort of the cheaper brands anyway mm-hmm. that Dyno test all of their systems. Yeah. Um, they all come with a lifetime warranty. Yeah. All of their systems. They're all designed in the UK. And they're designed specifically for the bike that, that you're buying it for. And yeah, I've, we've used them on loads of machines now and can't find a fault with them. Yeah. And I've said this countless times, you know, T7 being the perfect example. Why spend 900 quid on their Akrapovic slip-on? Yeah. And then Fall take it, it trail riding and Dent then it. ruin it. When you can spend, you know, 180 quid on the LexTech version, which... Gives you the same weight savings, give you the same performance gains. I think it looks ten looks times good. better because it's it's slimmer, it's yeah. smaller, and if you like, I've done. If there's a big dent in it, it's, you can buy six of them for the price of one Acro one. So. Exactly, exactly. So for this kind of riding, I mean, for any kind of riding really, but it's particularly for the kind of riding that we're promoting, is is perfect. So, yeah. Which was why you know we thought it would be a good idea to get them all the bikes kitted up with the. And they make it for loads of adventure bikes on the market. If mm-hmm. they don't make it for your bike, get in touch with them because they may be interested in doing a similar thing um, that, that you did in develop, developing one yeah. with you. If you've got a, a relatively popular adventure bike that hasn't had one done, DM them on Instagram or email them or something. Yep. Um, Lextech is L-E-X-T-E-K. Um, search them on Instagram. You can get straight in touch with James Archibald that way as well. Yep. He runs their Instagram account. Yeah, definitely worth looking into. But yeah, big thanks to both of those guys for supporting the trip. Yeah, and then... Just all the add-ons quickly. You you probably all know who they are. They make phone basically adventure-proof phone holders. So loads of different mounting styles, and then proper rugged cases. Especially the the model-focused cases are brilliant. They're they sit in a solid sort of polycarbonate case, but then also in like a silicone basket mm, in the so case. Some like shock absorption. So you've got shock absorption, vibration absorption. And then things like water and dust, it makes a proper, you know, water dust tight seal, which most phones are. 
Yeah, but I, my iPhone is like IP67. My camera still fogs up if I don't have it in a case. Yeah. So um, dust still gets into the charging port and things like that. So yeah, and they were ended up being invaluable on the roadbook day because we used the phones for our trip meter. Yes. And they worked like a dream. Perfect. Um, so yeah, two great products, which we were really pleased to have on the trip, basically. So, but yeah, um, so Rally Moto tour of wales this was so they do loads of different events every year they've obviously struggled a bit this year with covid so they ran this tour of wales which is smaller so only 30 riders um huge roadbook challenge so they usually do their 500s which are three or four events a year yeah i think i thought it's normally isle of man wales and then one on the borders Cle- i thought it was Cleeter. three yeah and their roadbook challenges and they're ranked and then you get cum- cumulative points if you do you know, two or three, sort of Dakar light, as it were. Uh, yeah, well, those designed are like bikes. an entry point, isn't it, for big yeah. bikes, entry point. So how, it's about 500 kilometers. How long, how, how long does that translate to? So for the 500 events, they run over a weekend. So uh, I assume you do about 250 a day. Mm-hmm. Um, this one that we did, so the Tour of Wales was 500 kilometers in one day. It ended up being two road books worth of, navigation over 600 navigation points the goal is 12 to 14 hours i think well we did it in 13 hours so 8 a.m to 9 p.m oh, so finished in the dark which we finished in the dark with overall about an hour stoppage so we did we did oh, do it in about a lot of time in the saddle then yeah we stopped mm. for one photo op with james um that's all we let that's him good do for with james because he is <laughs> king of photo that is, faff that is all we let him do basically um <laughs> And then uh, we had to stop a bit at the midway point because there were there were only a few marshals, mm. so we had to wait for other people to get in before we could all set off and then on the next leg. So I think we had about an hour altogether off the saddle. So it was it was most of the day on the bike, which was exhausting. But at the same time, you've got that adrenaline of the road book and navigating and and. So for people that don't know, can you explain what a road book is? Yeah, definitely. So a road book is a type of navigation that is done by paper so basically you have a really long roll basically you have a roll of paper that goes into a little box which you will have a a number which is the amount of kilometers then you will have a symbol um, or a little image of either a junction or a point of interest a or point something, yeah. yeah but they're, they're quite vague yeah and then you will have a compass heading so degrees and then you will have on the right hand side, you will have notes if there are any notes. So it's up to you to put everything together. So proper roadbook navigation, so like Dakar style, you don't have like a GPS sat. Yeah. You don't have like a map with you. The point is that you will have a trip meter, which is what we, like I said, which is what we had on our phones. So it's just a number, which is accurate. It should be basically the roadbook is done to within 10 meters. So it's it's like 10.26 kilometers for yeah, example yeah. and then you have your next guide now it's never going to be 100 percent accurate so you do have to kind of adjust as you go mm. but either you read that's where you reset your yeah. number each time you go past a point right and exactly and then you kind of keep yourself yeah on track so, that so that's way. your that's the way that you navigate basically so you're given a, let's say you're going along and you have to turn left and then you you know you're roughly at the the right number on the kilometers 
and when you turn left the compass bearing says 276 degrees yeah works out to be roughly that then you know you're you've taken the yeah, right yeah. turning or the left turning or the left turning yeah but yeah, I mean, it'd probably be worth people, you know, if you're not sure, go on YouTube, watch, type in like Adventure Bike Roadmap or Stack Our Roadback, How Roadbook Works, mm-hmm. something like that. There's loads of videos on it and it's, yeah. it is super interesting. What Rally Motor did during lockdown, which was that, because this was my first roadbook event and the first time I'd actually ever done any kind of roadbooking was in lockdown because they did a, an at-home Oh, really? You'd use like Google book. Street View or something? So basically, no, they'll send you a section of an OS map right. with a starting point and then the roadbook. And then you have to basically work out where you're going and then oh, basically submit the, the, the location that you end up in. Yeah, yeah, so okay. me and Emily actually sat down and did it. We had like on the laptop, we had the map and then on the tablet, we had the, the, the road book. And nice. then on one of our phones, we had a compass with, with all the mm. degree references on it. So we literally just, you quite kind fun. Of, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. So I hope they do those again because they're, they're pretty cool. But yeah, road booking is it brings such a joy to road to road riding there wasn't an awful lot there were probably about five trails in the whole thing oh, and we okay. did the expert one but they were really long really i mean absolutely phenomenal trails yeah some of these ones that we did but they're all throughout the day just the mix of sta- obviously standing up and sitting down going from road to off-road not constantly navigating the road book and constantly having been to be switched on obviously at the end we were so exhausted but while you're doing it you're so switched on and enjoying it and even as the day got colder you didn't tend to feel it as much because you just had that sort of adrenaline going constantly and did you have um communication wise obviously there's going to be points where you agree disagree have questions did what did you guys use to chat to one another yes there were were actually quite a few groups doing it i don't know if they all had intercoms but we had interphone the the brand interphone we had intercoms on all of our helmets which made the day so much easier because we were just constantly talking i know we've always found them really useful when green laning in general Mm. um, but i can imagine on that it's probably a pretty invaluable tool yeah considering you're working as a team so uh, i mean we would have taken so much longer if we were having to stop and like literally shout through visors yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. no this was this was ideal so so what was the rough route then obviously it's 500 kilometers which is so just over 300 miles um and they're calling it a tour of wales Uh, 300 miles you can cover a lot of wales within that where where did it start from um started from just very roughly yeah so it started from chester so right okay top yeah yeah um northeast it's sort of tracked west a bit towards Snowdonia mm-hmm. National Park and then basically down. Down the west coast, is it? or Not quite as as right. tight as the coast. You know that section where there were loads of switchbacks around Aberystwyth? There was oh, okay. a lot around there. Yeah. There, were, there was quite a lot of tracking back along the Tet. Oh, some nice, of the, okay. the nicer trails in the Tet. So you did get to do a little bit more of the Tet that way? Yeah. But yeah, yeah um, sure. And then down through the the, be- the Brecon Beacons, and then oh, down. it comes all right the way to South Wales then. Yeah, nice. So it wasn't Pontypool, um, Pontypridd maybe. It was Abergavenny. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so nice. Abergavenny was where we stopped. Which is sort of southwest Wales, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, so, southeast Wales. Sorry. So yeah, southeast Wales. Sorry, but yeah, I mean the views just phenomenal. It was just wilderness, loads of wilderness, valleys, mountains. And you had great weather that day all day, didn't you? I yeah, think. we were so lucky with the weather. It that just would have made a big difference day. to the mm-hmm. event, I'm sure. Yeah, I would 100% recommend well, any road booking. I, I, I want to find software and where you can make, make your own. It'd be really good books. fun, wouldn't it, to like make our own round here? And mm. then, um, there's a there's a oh, there's a guy working on a um, 
an app like a digital road book that you can that you yeah can it's a good idea that rather than having to get the whole tupperware and everything and yeah just use your mobile phone scroll through it be pretty cool is that are there any rally moto events planned coming up then that people can look for or is it uh, don't kind know of what on, they've got on hold at i the think moment. It, at the moment it's all on hold because we were it was really touch and go with the covid stuff as to whether it was well, actually, wales is now on lockdown yeah, right? I mean, actually could it, go I ahead. this it, mm. it wouldn't be happening because it started with 50 riders then they had to cut cut the events down to, to oh, 30 i see because you can only have 30 people for a i think so outdoor but, event um, or something i think they're right. obviously going to try and do the 500s again yeah um it's funny though, because because uh, this was ninety five quid, which I th- which was brilliant value for what we got. The five hundreds are two hundred and fifty pounds, which I thought was quite expensive. But after doing this trip, uh, you get a lot more. It's it's more competitive yeah. and it's there's good, prizes. There's a good amount of organisation that I goes into it as well. Isn't they're it? well worth yeah, well worth the money. Yeah, and I'm dead keen to. Uh, me, James, and Tom are just desperate to go and do some more roadbook because it's just. I don't know what it is. There's just something really enjoyable about navigating that way. It's a totally different way of navigating yeah. and it brings a real excitement to it. Nice. So, but yeah, really pleased with it and highly recommend it. Good weekend then. Yeah, good. Very exhausted. Absolutely shattered. So whilst you were doing that, I was busy binging on Long Way Up. So I watched episode one last night in preparation for, for tonight's recording. Oh, so you've only watched the first so one? I've only watched the first okay, one. Well, I won't try, I'll try not to spoil too much. Mm-hmm. of the adventure for you but um, yeah i do want to chat about it though because i don't know if i mentioned it on here but i've i've talked about it to to death you know i like adventure bike adventure bikes i like electric bikes you like electric cuts vehicles don't you yeah. in general i like electricity james, li- james likes electricity he's a big fan of electricity oh yeah um, um you've got a little uh nissan leaf haven't you yeah at the moment which you rock around in it's great fan really pleased with it so and i'm and i need to go and check out a zero um, yeah and this is the thing I've, I've i've said this um why the hell didn't they go with zero um zero yeah. actually do an electric adventure bike the dsr and they've got experience i mean zero have been making electric bikes now for must be over 10 years i would guess yeah they are the mark in, especially in my opinion the market leaders when it comes to electric bikes especially more than Har- i mean harley davidson really well yeah i mean they're very new to it i mean i think the thing is for me with with harley is they're they're probably the company that has the like vi- financial heft to like get behind uh, a program like this. Mm-hmm. You know, with Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman, it's not going to be a low budget thing. This is the thing. I, I speculated that the reason was because that Zero doesn't have the cash flow to fund something like this. And, yeah. and I think that was quite evident in episode one because the bikes that they used to try electric bikes were zeros were zeros and i was like oh my god they're, they're literally riding zeros yeah. and they're not going to use zeros and harley ended up making them like these kind of these prototype bikes that were barely ready for the start yeah. of the trip and did you, have charging issues and did you know that they're based on all the advent most of the adventure stuff on those live wires is actually based off their what's it called pan american oh that yeah, yeah concept yeah. Yeah, adventure bike yeah which is quite interesting they do look, they do, I mean, they do look they pretty look, cool. I think they look really cool. Um, just, most people will hate, hate me for saying this, but I really enjoyed Long Way Down and Long Way Round. I thought they were really mm-hmm. nicely made programs. I thought they kind of showed off the best of adventure biking. They showed the highs, the lows, the mm-hmm. kind of the, the culture that you get to experience. They showed loads of the actual riding, loads of the actual bikes, loads of the actual problems with the bikes and bikes crashing them on and telly. Stuff. And so far with Long Way Up, I've found it a little bit dull in terms of so much of the time is just them trying to charge 
the motorbike and the first time it happens it's kind of amusing and then by the time you get to the 10th time where they've like ridden to some farm in the middle of the patagonian desert and guess what surprise surprise there's not enough power to charge two electric harley davidson prototypes you just start thinking okay yeah is there gonna be a little bit more depth to this program um the ste- the scenery is stunning the cinematography is great mm-hmm. but i think it's sort of highlighting the fact that electric bikes probably aren't quite ready for proper wilderness adventure riding yet oh i totally agree i think there's definitely areas where they would absolutely thrive a perfect example is their fx zeros fx which is like a little trials yeah it's like an lmx bike yeah um it's like 140 kilos e-ride free ride whatever it's called yeah and it's like they'll only get seven you only get 70 miles out of them but if you're going green lane for the day that's plenty that thing would be insane it'd be brilliant so when you're trying to cross south america and every 80 miles you're having to charge and mm-hmm. it's taking them like five hours it just, it just doesn't to me it just doesn't make sense but um but well, it's, it's entertaining they, they did specify that in episode one they're, do, they're just doing it because to 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 do it to, yeah to, yeah to, to do the impossible sort of thing yeah. so it, it's i like the pickup trucks they've been given though yeah i they're, they're cool they're very These cool. rivian things and i'm surprised i'm really surprised that so, like tesla didn't get involved but i suppose tesla are already so successful they just don't need the yeah and elon musk is as hype. much as i love tesla elon musk is just an absolute <laughs> he couldn't stand ex- that they were getting more attention <laughs> yeah that, that's that's the problem he'd he'd probably be Such like i'm coming with you i he? want to yeah, come with you exactly like, oh that's not that's not kind of the way this show works <laughs> Elon, he's like well, well but then fine, this, this then. rivia and look cool i mean they, 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 they got these trucks together at very short notice and they look mega they look um, awesome they're really cool really so awesome. I, and i hope for them what i hope is that it kind of does what long way round and down did for bmw and you know there might be a chance that rivian then become like the the leaders of yeah utilitarian yeah oh, electric vehicles that'd be brilliant um if this triple goes well for them and suddenly they bring out the truck and you can come and buy it and uh-huh. you know throw it around your farm looks it, cool it would be it is very cool um right so there's so much getting packed in this episode i hope you've all been keeping up um but just to cap it off this afternoon this evening this morning whenever you're Whenever, Whenever you're, you're tuning in, yeah, we've had we've had a couple of letters, we've had haven't we? Correspondence, so we're very right. pleased. So, so this first one is from a chap called Luke who emailed directly in. Do you want to read it out? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hi lads. Firstly, loving the podcast, obviously, getting a load of info off it for getting into adventure biking. That brings me on to my question. I'm currently riding a Triumph Streets Triple, and after a trip to Scotland doing the North Coast 500 motor camping, I've decided I want an adventure bike. To add to that, I'm really keen to get into trail riding and green laning. Nothing hectic at first, just getting off the beaten track uh, to get some trips in. I'm after advice on a bike. I can't afford two bikes, so the street triple has to go. Fair enough, uh, most of us can't afford two bikes. Uh, I've looked at a Suzuki DRZ 400, but I think it might struggle on long distance European trips. Uh, Tiger t- uh, Triumph Tiger 800 XCX is a top runner currently, along with a Yamaha XT 660Z. But I'm open to suggestions. Any advice is appreciated before I fork out. Cheers, guys. And this is from Luke. Well, firstly, well done for completing the North Coast 500 on a street triple. Um, mm, it's, it's, not, it's definitely on my to-do list. And it's apparently amazing. Just... I've done it in a car. It's a beautiful trip. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, and you know, fair play. Do it on a street triple. The best adventure bike is the bike you take on an adventure. So yeah, why not do it on a street triple or a sports bike or yeah. whatever you've got? So um, I've been thinking about this. This is quite an interesting one. Oh, 
it's very tricky because it all comes down to what you can afford and what's the ratio of what you're going to do. Yeah, I think we for this we should assume this is a you know a, a used street triple. That's selling that his budget is around that. So let's imagine it's kind of five six grand. Yep, happy that's going to that. be a like, kind of average value of a used uh, uh, unless it's a really old one, a used street triple, right? Mm-hmm. So my concerns with something like the XT six sixty or the DRZ. Um, I mean, obviously he brings up that the DRZ was potentially struggle with distance which i totally agree with yeah i think as a road bike it'd be pretty unpleasant yeah the thing is he's coming from one of the best street bikes you can buy yeah i'm assuming you're going to be used to that kind of having 105 odd horsepower and super smooth handling amazing brakes Mm. i mean you go to a 660 single is gonna it's going to be a bit of a culture feel like a bit of a tractor Um, isn't it the 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 tiger actually is a really really good option especially to begin with um you can definitely pick one up i mean the the 800 xcx you can get the 2015 model which is the model that i had so that's 2015 to 18 yeah i think so yeah and then they did another one which personally i don't think is worth the extra dosh um, you probably won't pick one of those up for that kind of five no, six grand money you, anyway you, I think you're better off investing your money in, in one of the older ones, not the 14 model, but the 15 when they had the big up, big change. Yeah, the yeah. big changes were the 15 to 18 and then the latest, the 900. Yeah, so um, get maybe a 15 plate one. Yeah, the um, good bikes, the comfy, they've got a triple engine, which is actually the same engine that's in the... It's a stroked street triple engine, yeah. Yeah, it's the XC range with the spoke wheels is perfectly fine for light off-roading light really. off-roading i mean i absolutely well, abused mine um, yeah and the only reason i changed was because i went to something lighter and more manageable off-road because i was a bit more off-road focused the tiger's a much better road focused adventure bike with yeah with a bit of off-road thrown in you're not losing a huge amount of power you're only losing about 10 horsepower although you're gaining some weight so you performance wise you're going to be not completely disappointed mm-hmm I'd also look at something worth also checking out a bike like something like the uh, F800 GS. Yes. Very, very popular. I've not actually ridden one myself, but that's what James was riding on the yeah. the Rally Moto Tour that you've done. And I know he's a, he's a huge fan of the 800s. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if your budget is, if we're assuming it's around five or six grand, you're not going to stretch to a new 850. If you can, they're supposed to be very good as well. But yeah, I think a, an F, F800 GS or a, a Tiger 800, something like that would make a, make a lot of sense. If you were to be going for a new bike, then definitely you could look at something like a Tenere 700 or something maybe like a, a KTM 790 Adventure R. Yeah. If the budget's a little bit higher. Yeah. My only reservation with going new is it's a world where you, you're not sure. It's a new world to you. You don't know. Yeah. Again, like I was saying, you don't know what that ratio is going to be for you, whether you're just going to focus on road adventure riding, mm. you know, in which case there are some really good options that you don't have to then waste your money on off-road parts yeah you know so i think i think used would be a, a safer bet for now yeah but yeah i think there's some good options there so any, saying tiger 800 or f800 gs are probably our two top picks for you i think so i mean there's load there's loads out there um obviously we're just going on what we know what and what we know and and what well, what you've written about yourself i think i think the tiger i think if i was going to pick one the tiger's mm. a good ship to jump from the street triple onto yeah and it sounds like you've kind of found that yourself anyway so yeah go, go mm-hmm. with that one luke i do and um and then finally um i'm so excited about this i got this I last week i think this means we've actually made it i 
as soon as I read it, I thought this is Gold. cracking content for uh, for our podcast. We've had our very first piece of hate mail. Oh no, this is dreadful. Are you ready for this, Ross? I am. <clears throat> I won't. I won't read the the email address. I won't read the name. I will keep this person's anonymity although i have googled and found out who they are <laughs> where, where they work where they live anyway i know who you are <clears throat> a very specific <clears throat> set of skills <laughs> we'll find you anyway here we go <laughs> what you guys are doing is despicable okay. you are doing posts without a shrewd on depth <laughs> thought or research although he's written though yeah well, uh, but i'll i'll that's kind of you thank you Your only motivation is obviously only to make money on sales commissions. Time to get a real life. Well, James, it was only a matter of time before someone sussed us out. I know. We've been foiled. We've had a good run. That's it. Take the cash and run. That's all we should do. (laughs) Um, Millions. Um, I don't think we're quite ready to give up the day job just yet, do you? No, not quite. I mean, the first thing I will say over on the website and on on the podcast here as I said earlier on about integrity and and like repping brands and products that we truly believe in and we truly use, everything that I have put an affiliate link to on the website, I have I either own, have owned, or have used and personally recommend. And a lot of it you've bought yourself as well. The vast majority of what I've got, I have bought myself. Yeah. Um, and then anything that I haven't bought myself, I have noted to say that it was given to me as yeah. a review yeah um as a review piece but that doesn't stop you earning thousands of pounds a month it doesn't does it, it doesn't stop me what stops me is people not actually buying anything <laughs> which is currently the situation that i mean <laughs> no. so how, how much did we make in because i don't follow it. you you run all this how much did we make in commission last month james roughly i think we had a pretty good month last month because it was summer so all i right. think we probably took in maybe about 50 quid which we'll probably see in about two or three months um basically i haven't i still haven't paid off our podcast equipment no some of which you bought secondhand yeah and i pretty much just cover the uh the hosting for the website um bearing in mind that most of what i write and obviously what we put on the podcast is informational which we give for free i mean everything we give is for free at the end of the day you don't have to buy a single thing yeah and it, yeah, and it, and it doesn't cost you anything to click an affiliate link exactly and if i was probably to break it down into chargeable time i probably earn less than 10p an hour for the work i do yeah. on this <laughs> it is worse than oh, it's not worse than slave labor because slave labor is <laughs> It's terrible and it is a shame it is a horrible truth that we still unfortunately live in today yes. but it is so shockingly small we do we do, we do this, this for fun we do this because we love bikes and this motivates I've, I've said this before this this motivates me to ride this motivates mm. me to to use my bike and we hope that it motivates you lot to do the same i think whoever wrote this needs should go back to episode one when for a start, well, we're probably still terrible at this, but we were definitely more terrible then. But I think in episode one, we actually explained, you explained like the founding of 9to5ADV, why it exists and w- what you seek to get out of it. And yeah it, it, yeah, it really isn't about. I mean, at the end of the day, if we, if I could give up my day job and this, this could be would. my job, I would. Yeah. I mean, of course I would. This would be amazing. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to, 
you know, sell us out. I'm because that is what I'm building this on from day one. What we are building this on, you know, from yeah. the beginning is the the it's, it's fitting this around our daily lives and having normal yeah. jobs. It's not like you know some websites that it's like here's a product these are the in, these are the these are the facts about it click on this link and you can buy it and we get commission yeah that's not how we work you know we it's all personal it's all our own opinions and then we and then if you like our opinions and respect our opinions then you stick around it's as simple as that you know and at the end of the day if if, if we can earn a, um, anything of it then 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 great when you know everyone everyone's happy and we can spend more money on on more bike stuff and more podcast stuff and maybe there won't be ross's horrible breathing down you know in 12 months time when we buy some new microphones or maybe when we can pay someone to edit these podcasts instead of me (laughs) looking at the timer at 52 minutes and thinking oh my god that's another that's that's four hours at least of editing we'll call it there then shall we 52 minutes sounds like a good Okay. We've got we squeezed a lot into that. This was a bumper episode. It really was. So thank you for listening along. If you'd like to send us any kind of mail, um we hey, accept not. we accept all kinds and we read them all out. So uh you can email us nine to five ADV at gmail dot com. If you'd like to See if we earned more, you'd yeah. have a proper Exactly. Email domain, for instance. Exactly. It would be James at, at 9 to 5, 5, But we can't afford that yet. And you could send, <laughs> you could then send personalised hate mail to each of us individually. Exactly. But you can't. You just have to send to our no. crappy Gmail account, <laughs> like a dodgy plumber. <laughs> um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. If, if you... If, <laughs> if you'd you're like in, to click an affiliate link... No, I'm not there yet. Oh, if there if yet, you're enjoying the podcast <laughs> and you want to leave a review, then please do in whatever app you listen to, Spotify, iTunes, yeah, Podcast Addict, whatever. They apparently really help listening to the podcast that I listen to. They keep asking for reviews because then you get featured on stuff. That'd be awesome. If you would like to buy anything, bike-related or otherwise, then we do have some affiliate links in the episode description if you think we are worthy of not even your money of, of of a cookie on your browser for 24 hours then feel free to click on one of those affiliate links down below if you think that's despicable then don't simple as exactly if you'd like to follow along uh, on our social media or get in touch with us personally then i'm at 9to5adv on instagram i'm devonshire underscore biker well and if you'd like to follow along any of the other accounts we've mentioned in this episode so we mentioned LexTech. yes uh, i'm just checking now so they are LexTech, which is l-e-x-t-e-k underscore products yeah uh, we've got ultimate add-ons are simply ultimate add-ons um all one word and the Ram- fantastic Ooh. photographer oh yeah that went along on the trip the the chap we were saying that works for LexTech. Uh, James Archibald, fantastic photographer, um, mainly bike content, but lots of other pretty pictures. Um, I'm looking through his Instagram account now. There's some gin, there's some rock bands, there's him in a really, really dubious hat and shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is James Archibald. That's uh, James A-R-C-H-I-B-A-L-D. James Archibald, all one word. Um, Yeah, check him out as well. And finally, at Rally Moto UK for the um, the roadbook guys, and maybe we will see you on their next event. Hope so. That'll do it. No idea what we'll talk about next week because I'm still exhausted from this week, but we'll find something to ramble on about. Exactly. Keep adventuring, folks. We will speak to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>